The date, ladies and gentlemen, the date is May 15th, 2001. The number one song on your radio dials is Lady Marmalade. You know that one, Sam? No. That one. Kitchy, kitchy, yeah, yeah, da, da. It sounds like I would like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from the Moulin Rouge remake, which was featuring uh, Christina Aguilera. Okay. Or as I wrote in my notes, ex-Tina. Ex-Tina. Uh-huh. Maya, Lil' Kim, and Pink. I know two of those. Yeah. You don't know. Who don't you know? The Lil' Kim pe- and Maya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pink stuck around. Yeah. Christina Aguilera also stuck around. I just know her because it's, <laughs> they bring her up in School of Rock. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is um, it her that they bring up? Yeah, I think so. I think they say that the, uh, the girl oh, backup yeah, singer... Like, yeah, Christina Aguilera's like, oh, what are they teaching these people? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Don't right. tell me you guys have never brought the lead out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, Motorhead. Motorhead. <laughs> I just watched that movie. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, number one mainstream rock on the radio, It's Been a While by Stained. That would be number one mainstream rock on the Billboard charts for 20 weeks. Wow. You, you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like Stained? Uh, no. No. Um, One time. I have a complicated relationship with Stained. I have two of their albums. Yeah. Um, I think I might have even said on this podcast before that when It's Been a While came out, you know, they had their debut album that had like Mud Shovel on it mm-hmm. and Just Go. Just Go, I actually bought that album after Just Go. I needed to hear one song. And I was like, oh, these guys are cool. Yeah. And Mud Shovel was cool. That real harmonic riff. I can't remember. It's it's a neat, unique riff that you don't hear bands do. But going back to... Then the second album came out and I was in college. And my buddy, who is in my college band, was like, They've done. It. They've done it. They've sold out already. <laughs> They're just gonna do ballads now. And I Dude. was like, I don't think so. Not stained. He plays and, it. And he was pretty much right. Like once it's been a while came out, it was like they weren't a metal band anywhere. They they were like a really heavy new metal band like, that did a lot of ballads. Every music fan knows that sound of disappointment. That sound <laughs> of tone. Like, yeah. do the. Mm-hmm. You think you have found something cool. And then it's like, dude, they already sold out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I went to a Nashville bar one time, and the drummer was sit- sitting in, like, with the house band. The stained drummer was? Yeah. Cool. Was he yeah. good? Yeah. Hmm. He had a beard, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that makes him cool. Yeah. All right. But now we have to get... I, I'm, I'm adding to things here. Uh-huh. All right. Not only do I have the number one album, but I have the top five Ooh. albums from this day in history on Were the you Billboard. Interested? interested? Oh, I am. Yeah, I love lists. Yeah, and whatnot. 
you should be able to. I mean, if you think really hard. What year is it? This is 2005. May 15th. I'm sorry. 2001. Ooh. May Jet. 15th, 2001. Jet. Number one album, not Jet. We've covered them is on this Jet podcast this- before. Oh, never never mind. Nope. Oh, it's 2000. 2001, not 91. Dance, dude. You can do it. You can go back to we've, school. We've covered them on this podcast. 2001? Yep. Chili Peppers. No, sir. Good guess, though. Lateralis. Oh. Was number one. Oh. Uh, number two, Miss E. Dot, dot, dot. So addictive. From nope. Missy e. Elliott. Nope. No, nope, I don't know that one. Survivor from Destiny's Child. Number four was the album we're talking about today. Weezer's self-titled, quote-unquote, Green Album. And if you're interested, number five was Janet Jackson's All For You. But this album that we're talking about today, Weezer's Green Album, is the topic. Welcome to (laughs) the Wet Bandits Podcast. (laughs) I'm Weezy. This is Slam. Slam. And we are two-fifths of the greatest 90s cover band in the world, the Wet Bandits. Bringing to you discographies from 90s bands. We like to go through their entire, well, you know, the catalog of things that we think, you know, we're not going to do a lot of EPs. We're not going to do live albums. We're not going to do like B-side collaborations or whatever. Uh Compilations was the word I meant to use. We're going to do studio full-length releases. And we're going to see how their story changes throughout uh, their um, catalog and I and I think we've both been support. We've already mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers and Tool that we've already covered. And I think we knew that Tool was going to be interesting. And I think I was definitely, and I think maybe you were surprised at how interesting the change was in Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, totally. So, also, not to drive the train in the different direction. No, do it. But Tool played Tempest, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. Where? Uh, I think in Australia. Yeah. Sure. So they could play it in Sonic Temple. Oh, we should break that news. I mean, the news will have this album. We're recording this a week before it comes out, so the news is already out. But yesterday, yeah. Do you want? You cried buckets of tears. <laughs> I did, dude. Tell the people, dude. I cried buckets of tears because you tell them while I eat this slowly. Catered. <laughs> this episode brought to you and catered by Little Caesars Crazy Bread. Metallica canceled Sonic Temple, but I'm okay with it. Well, why are you okay with it? They're your favorite band. Because James, bro. Because you want him to get healthy? Yeah. That's really selfless of you. Dude, it's like, ain't no Metallica without James Hetfield, so. Yeah. That's just how, I mean, it's just like. I'm okay with it because I sort of feel like the replacements are an upgrade. Yeah. Now, I know Metallica is your favorite. And. And if I could only see, hmm, okay. But the Chili no, Peppers with John? Well, that's what I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say, if I could only see one of these bands, given, like, in my place in my life right now, yeah, I probably would say Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. only because we did the discography, though. Oh, really? Let's rewind to when we were doing the Tool discography. Tool? No, it it would be it wouldn't be Tool because I would have seen Tool before. Oh yeah, I've never seen Metallica before. So of those three, I would choose Metallica. And my point being, in a long-winded way, my point being that 
I would like to see. I would love to see Metallica. Yeah. The diff- The reason I think it's an upgrade is because now you have two bands. On Friday you have Red Hot Chili Peppers, and on Sunday you have Tool. Instead of having Metallica, both yeah. now it's. Now I get that it would have been cool to see Metallica. Well, what's cool is because like I'm super into Metallica sets. Mm-hmm. You know, like I look what they play every night. You they know? probably wouldn't do the same song twice. Well, they would. See, this is what I think they were going to do. Okay. They were going to play the hits, like one, Inner Sandman, Master Puppets, both nights, mm-hmm. and then maybe play an album album in its entirety or something like that. That would have been cool. Yeah. Hmm. Or just something crazy, like they play some stuff off like Load and Reload, like Bleeding Me. That would be sweet. Dude, I heard, I was running past my UPS driver the other day, and he was blaring Bleeding Me. Really? In his UPS That's truck. all. That, see, dude? UPS guys, they're metal. Mm-hmm. Totally metal. It's like metal. a st- stereotype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask, where I work, we get UPS deliveries a lot. I'm going to ask him tomorrow what m- music he's into. And then he like pulls up like his pant leg, and you see like the Metallica M on his calf. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think is in my UPS driver's cup holder every day? Big gulp. No, good guess. I'll, I'll tell you this, it's a 30, it's a bigger than a 20 ounce, like a 32 ounce, but it's a bottle of soda. What? Mountain Dew? Obviously, it's Mountain <laughs> Dew. And I'm not making fun, like I love Mountain Dew, but yeah. that's a stereotype. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm talking, um, yeah, chewing. I'm talking, yum, mm, cheesy bread. You were right, dude, this is salty. I know. Wow. Anyway. Baby. Everybody sufficiently grossed out now by the eating on mic. <laughs> eating on <laughs> eating on. <laughs> so that's the story. That's what's going on around here. We're not here to talk about Sonic Temple, though. We're here to talk about the Green Album from Weezer. Last week we covered the Blue Album, and we sort of talked about Pinkerton. We didn't go over it as much as I thought we would, probably because the the shots of Fireball were kind of like creeping up. I forgot about those. Mm-hmm. As and, you do always. It's yeah. just like, oh, I forgot I took shots of fireball 20 minutes ago. Yeah, so we didn't really talk about Pinkerton at all. and But we did an episode on this. So go back in our catalog, and we named Pinkerton the third best sophomore album of the 90s. So you can go back and hear what we had to say about that you know, on your own. I have a feeling, though, Pinkerton will kind of be referenced in virtually every episode we do. Probably. Because... Because Weezer, what I'm finding, I, I'm pretty far ahead in my listening now, even though we're just recording you know, the third album. Uh, I'm finding that Weezer is, uh, they're all about the comeback. It fe- and we kind of said this in the last episode, like everything they do seemingly is a comeback. And that's just because Pinkerton has this like huge cult following. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Album does too. The Pinkerton seems more of a cult following than Blue simply because Pinkerton didn't sell as much and Blue sold quite a, you know, millions. Dude, Weezer's pretty crazy. Yeah, how so? Because they're able to write a hit every album for the most part. It's true. You know, Mm -hmm. so that's pretty much how you stay in the game. That's right. And, uh, like, I thought about this. I'm like, if you could hire, like, a corporate band to make everybody happy, it'd be Weezer. You, <laughs> you yes. know, you get the people dancing, uh-huh. but you'd please the rock people. Yeah. You know? Yep. They're non threatening. Yeah. 
Dude, actually, that's a better way of saying what I wanted to say last episode. When I when I said that I still think the idea of a Weezer-only cover band works. And that's exactly what I meant. Uh-huh. Is because like they are non-threatening, enjoyable to listen to. They rock hard enough for rock fans. Most rock fans, you know, not everyone. But for most rock fans, they rock hard enough. But they're kind of easy listening right. a little bit. It's not like a Chili Pepper cover yeah. band where you'd be like, oh, what the hell are they going to play? Are they going to play like something... Suck my kiss, <laughs> yeah. Are or they are they going to play scar tissue, yeah, or whatever? You know, yeah, scar tissue. But you could probably even think of an easier, easier listening Chili Peppers song than that. But this is just the first one that came to mind. Yeah. What's the toughest to li- listen to Chili Peppers song? Like just from a, I mean, like party on your pussy or whatever. Like that's <laughs> offensive, but but that's it's still kind of like jazzy yeah do they have what what's their most like metal song that someone would be like no i'm not into this because it was too heavy probably most definitely something off the first three records yeah yeah or yeah yeah there's some heavy stuff on because like blood sugar sex magic i don't know i kind of think the third uplift mofo party plan is kind of like definitely the heaviest of those three Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. What were you gonna say? I interrupted you. No, nah, I just can't think either. Okay. The second one, Freaky Styley had was more like a George Clinton mm-hmm. sounding album because he uh, produced it. But you know, Mother's Milk had some heavy stuff on it. I, I you could even say like One Hot Minute, which because they had Dave Navarro at That'd the time. That'd be kind of weird. That had some. You know, I don't. Um, warped. I love Warped, but that song's kind of heavy. I don't know. Maybe the answer, maybe the answer was "Suck My Kiss" right off the bat. Probably. Probably. "Suck My Kiss" is pretty heavy. <clears throat> like, are you talking about like sounding heavy or like lyrics? Like, people are like, "Who?" Lo-? I mean, sounding heavy. Okay. Like, it's off-putting to someone who doesn't like, you know, oh, really heavy rock music. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's easy for us to say that because. It's one of the songs that we can play as a cover band that we don't play because mm-hmm. it seems to potentially clear out the yeah. floor. <laughs> so, yeah. Anywho, let's talk about the Green Album. We don't need to be talking anymore about Red All Hot right, Chili dude. Are you ready? Bye. I had to check and make sure we were recording. Good, Good news we were. Here's why I kind of Bad news. Bad news. The Green Album... No, I like the Green Album. Here's here's one. I'm going to start with this. For years and years and years. Actually, I'm going to start with something else. We were supposed to have a guest tonight. Really? Yeah. Kyle Lewis was going to come on. Kyle Lewis was the first guest ever. Mm-hmm. He did the. He was on episode one. He was also for. A, he auditioned for the Wet Bandits. Couldn't can't find a nicer guy. That's why I'm really sad. He clearly ate a bad shrimp. And is pooping out his butt and mouth right now. Clearly. Our condolences to you, Kyle. I'm sorry the food poisoning got you. But that's that's the only reason people don't come on our podcast yeah. when they're guests is the Dude, food we poisoning need from to a get bad shrimp. Every shrimp in Columbus and clean that shit. Yeah. Like my sister's gonna guest with us next week. Cool. We gotta keep steer her clear yeah. of the bad shrimp. Like, 
about to eat a shrimp. No! no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, you hit me in the face. Look, just be glad you yeah. don't have the poop out your butt and mouth poisoning, <laughs> which is what you would have had if you'd eaten that shrimp. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> don't you listen to our podcast. Yeah. You should know by now that that's a recipe for disaster. Uh-huh. So, sorry. Rest in peace, Kyle. Sorry. I mean, you're alive, but you've got the bad food poisoning. But what we were saying, what I was starting to say before I sidetracked myself yet again, is that I used to say that the Green for years that the Green album was my favorite Weezer album. Really? Yeah. Which I think is kind of like saying being contrarian, just for the sake of uh-huh. being contrarian. Like, clearly, I like Pinkerton more. It's just. It became uncool for me to like Pinkerton more because everyone loves Pinkerton. So you're like, oh, the third album's pretty sweet. Yeah. (laughs) And I do like it, Uh but upon a re-listen, it is clearly worse than Pinkerton and the Blue Album. Yeah. The the Green comes up third place just out of those three. Dude, like the first two albums of Weezer are like OG. Then to me, the rest of the stuff, I mean, I haven't listened to the rest of the stuff. But it's pretty same story. As of as of this point in the podcast, you have ostensibly, because we've recorded episodes, listened to black, uh-huh. red, green, blue, and Pinkerton. Yeah. All colors, and Pinkerton has pink in it. So that's kind of a color too. I would agree, sort of, that they're similar. I can I can point out differences in all of them uh-huh. because I'm much more familiar with the catalog. Yeah. Well, like the Black Album, it's a little bit like hip-hop-y. It's a little hip-hop-y. Yeah. And the Red Album is, of what we've done so far, the most experimental. Yeah. Um, Make Believe, which we're going to record here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it So you've listened to that too, is, um, well... I don't know what to say about Make Believe, which is kind of a preview for that episode. I like Make Believe. Do you? Yeah. Good. Well, let's stop talking about it. We'll talk about it when we need to. Green. The Green album is definitely like a new Weezer era. It is... And it's it's unique in its own way, too. But it is definitely... It's just different. Let's just start talking about it. It's Hit the it. only way. Hit it. Hit it. I'm going to do a little history first. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, Pinkerton, in many ways, was Rivers sort of like laying everything out there. Like it was a very honest, a very forthcoming record lyrically and and sort of energetically. Like Weezer produced it themselves. It sounds, we described it in our last episode as the best sounding demo record ever. (laughs) Which is a weird backhanded compliment, but it, it does. It's one of my favorite sounding albums. Yeah. There's no doubt that it still it's has sound. a punch, but it has like that rawness. Yep. Yeah. So, what ha- after Pinkerton kind of flops, actually, especially considering that the Blue Album was sold three and a half million records or whatever, Pinkerton takes years and years and years to get to platinum to, to sell a million it goes gold i think relatively quickly but like it tanks hmm. commercially and rivers is bummed he ends up 
going back to Harvard for school, I think we talked, Rivers attended and later graduated from Harvard, forms another band called Homies with a bass player named Mikey Welsh, who will come up later. Uh, all the other band members, band members kind of go their own way and do their own side projects. And then in February 98, Rivers, and this, so this is two years after Pinkerton's been released. February 98, Rivers comes back to LA, reforms Weezer, but Matt Sharp, the bass player, sort of is MIA from rehearsals and basically distances himself from the band and eventually quits in April of 98. David, our guest last week, kind of said, probably accurately, that a lot of Weezer's sound left hmm. that with Matt Sharp, which is probably true, and partly, I think, why I see this album as like the start of a new Weezer era, even though that era has lasted longer sense. than the yeah. first couple of albums. So even though so they bring in... The, Mikey Welsh, who I just mentioned from yeah. Homies, he ends up joining the band. Do you have any of the Homies music? No, don't have any. That'd of be it. cool to listen to. Yeah, I don't know that they recorded anything. Uh, I didn't. I didn't deep dive into the Wikipedia on the Homies too much, but mm. maybe I will for next week. But just because they have a new bass player doesn't mean everything is like hunky dory. The internal strife kind of continues. The band ends up going on a hiatus again. Rivers at that time gets braces which embarrasses him and he paints his walls black and he puts insulation over his windows and just like stays in a dark house all the time and doesn't talk. Bro. Yeah. Weird. Uh, strange. Meanwhile, like I mentioned, the side projects are going on. Mikey Welsh actually tours with Juliana Hatfield. Um, Brian Bell and Patrick Wilson have their own things going on. And in this time, Rivers writes 121 songs. Oh my God. A, uh, and also during this time, the cult following for Pinkerton is like swelling. Yeah. Like people, the records are getting passed around. We're in the infancy of the what I, I guess you'd call the like popular internet. We're like everybody starts to have it at their house now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pinkerton's getting passed around and support for Pinkerton is growing and that eventually becomes something like we never see anymore, which is an album that didn't do well at first becoming massively popular. It never like actually sold that many records. But again, if you ask people who are familiar with Weezer, like what's your favorite Weezer album? There's about an 80% chance they're going to say Pinkerton. Yeah. Maybe I'm overshooting that a little bit, but there's a hundred percent chance they're going to say Pinkerton or blue or they'll lie. Those are the only three options. Mm -hmm. So there's this huge swelling of support for Pinkerton. Through that, Weezer gets asked to play this Summer Sonic Fest in Japan. So they go play in Japan. I don't know if they're headlining or what, but after that, they come back to LA. They do some small clubs under a pseudonym, Goat Punishment. And they kind of get the creative juices flowing again or whatever. They end up playing on Warp Tour. Rivers is very surprised by the support they get he kind of expected to be booed because he still sees pinkerton as like a failure and wouldn't play pinkerton songs like it's basically like blue album and new stuff that they wrote yeah and but he's surprised at how well received weezer is and so that kind of got them back into the swing of things and you know they end up recording the the green album they bring back rick Kasich. 
who was the producer for the Blue album. And and actually, the, I guess I thought, because there was no reason to think otherwise unless you knew, that Weezer just thought it was cute to do a Blue album and a Green album. And after this, like all mm-hmm. these albums with colors. But apparently doing the Green album and making the album artwork very similar to the Blue album is actually kind of a tribute to Rick Ocasek. Like you helped us with this blue album. Oh. You're you're behind the board on the green album too. So we're just gonna like this is gonna be like our signature. Yeah. Uh, when you're involved or whatever. So that's why they did that with the green album. The songwriting on the green album is what I'm sure we'll talk about as we start to listen to things. Is very, and this is a, I'm gonna read this quote from Rivers. Very intentionally not about me. So where Pinkerton was a very honest, very open, very like raw, I hate to use these words because it sounds overdramatic, but like I think Rivers would describe it that way. It was all those things. The Green Album is completely fictitious, completely made up and not, at least not about him. So he's not, he's, he's somewhat detached from this, um, which I, just a very quick sidebar. One other thing that happens in this time frame is uh, Michael and Carly Allen die in a car wreck in 1997 with their younger sister. They are, we, uh, I didn't play it, but there's a song uh, uh, that Rivers wrote in the Blue Album days called Michael and Carly, which is basically about these two sisters who were essentially like the fan club. For mm-hmm. Weezer and like followed them everywhere or whatever. So they die in a car wreck and they're basically the two biggest Weezer fans. Like people know who Michael and Carly are because they've heard these rarities and B sides that there's a song about them, which is pretty neat to be immortalized that way. But I would also see that as like an opportunity to write another good song that he is not interested in doing. Like he's, I, I'm not going to get personal. It, this is what Rivers is saying. He doesn't want to get personal with these anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just like songs. Yeah. I think it can be good. Like I, th- I think a, you don't have to lay everything out on the line to write a good album. But do you think clearly Green is different? Do you think he's better at writing about himself as writing about? Yeah, I do. And and in fact, it's much more typical of him to write about himself and. I don't know that that makes him bad. I mean, as you ask me that question, I'm starting to think, well, maybe I don't even believe that. But I've never looked at Rivers, and this includes Pinkerton. I've never looked at Rivers as like, oh, he's really speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I never understand or really care about the lyrical content. One thing Weezer has always seemed to be to me is kind of funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a little ironic and a little funny. You know, Pink Triangle from Pinkerton about, like, falling in love with a lesbian who he didn't realize was a lesbian. Like, that seems, like, comical. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunate, but, like, comical and, and harmless. Like, that that sort of story he's telling, you know, as I say it the way I did, it sounds like it could be problematic in this day and age. But, like, it's n- the way that song's written, it's not. It's just, like... Oh, a misunderstanding, you know. Oops, Could've my had, bad. Yeah, whoopsie. <laughs> I mean, that sucks, but I thought we were going to get married, but nope, she's got a pink triangle on her sleeve. So I, I don't know. I, 
I don't care enough about his lyrics to yeah. be like, oh, you know, I wish this was better. What what I do think is that, and this is what's interesting to me, is that a lot of what Rivers does seems to be just like exercises that turn into songs. Yeah, he's just kind of going with it. He's probably like riff raffing. He's just like. Yeah. Right. Like we and, talked yeah. about Dick Dale. Actually, I don't know if this episode is out yet, but we do, in a future episode or in a past episode, uh-huh. we talked about Dick Dale, how he wrote Miserloo. Yeah. For, and, and he wrote it just like, I'm going to try to write a song that's only on one string. Yeah. Like that's a cool way to like decide I'm going to write a song. So there's no evidence that Rivers did anything like super unique about that other than these songs are all really similar and they yeah. the green album is its own unique thing even mm-hmm. though i don't know how much people realize that so without further ado we're gonna get into it so this was supposed to be the first single from the album because the uh record execs did not like hash pipe uh, as the as the opening, original single yeah. but the first single from the green album was supposed to be don't let go What do you think? I like it. I really, I will we like the dwums in this album. <laughs> do you? Yeah. How come? They're just straight, dude. Like boom, pop, boom. Make you dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Bring some good spirit in the room. Make the confetti rain. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you think, you talked a little bit about Patrick Wilson doing that on the Blue Album, but do you think that some of the songwriting on here makes it so he has to only play straight oh possibly because the lyrics there's a lot of lyrics there's a lot of lyrics you can't take up a lot of space and the song structures are very similar yeah for each of these the longest song on the album is the last song that's 349 so that almost shouldn't i noticed that yeah i was like damn the second longest song is 320 the shortest song is 208 so like these songs are so short. Yeah. And and so what ends up and I'm going to get into it a little more. But th- they're just so similar. I before we get into how they're similar again, I want to bring up a couple things that you have to and this is why I wish Kyle was here because I know what he I I don't know all the nuances of what he was going to say, but I know a little bit about what he would say, which is that for people like he and I this was maybe the most anticipated album of our life. You know, right up there. I, w- I probably anticipated Se- Secret Samadhi, which was Live's follow-up to Throwing Copper a little bit more. But 
when this was coming out, I could not, I could not wait for it. Yeah. It was like the biggest deal because we already loved Pinkerton. We knew it was good when in was... 1996. Okay. You know? Oh, wow. Five years? Yeah. Yeah. So it took a long time yeah. to do. We knew how good this was or how good Pinkerton was. And so we'd been waiting for this for so long. And that's kind of why I say Weezer becomes like this master of like, maybe not masters, but uh, frequent or habitual comeback artists. They're always like making a comeback. Mm -hmm. This was their comeback from the long hiatus of Pinkerton. And that's the first song that I would have heard. And, And I like it too. I do like it. And I think even at the time I liked it. I did not hate this album like a lot of people did when it first came out. But really? it is different. It's obviously different. One, it's a cl- clearly a cleaner album than Pinkerton. It's much more like the Blue Album in that way. But Matt Sharp's absence is immediately noticeable because I don't believe, I don't know this for sure, but that sounds like Rivers backing up Rivers on vocals. Kind of like Dave. My, my complaint about Dave Grohl with Foo Fighters is it's always Dave Grohl's vocals. Even when it's backing vocals, it's always Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. That has changed later on and it changes with Weezer too but that sounds to me like Rivers overdubbing Rivers on backing vocals and that's so much different than Matt Sharp because Matt Sharp not only would sing a lot of backups on the Blue Album and Pinkerton but he also was not very good like he he didn't have the best pitch and he I think that part was why he's not fantastic but but I think he purposely also like sang sort of out of time and like in weird places, which really worked for Weezer's like aesthetic. Yeah. And and here this is just much cleaner. Which, you know, for better or worse, you know, I think most mm-hmm. people would say worse. But yeah. I, I don't mind it. It just makes Weezer kind of a different band. Yeah. Here. So that is Don't Let Go. The fr- I'm gonna skip around a little bit. The first single that releases I already mentioned is Hashpipe. So most people already probably know this one. That's a good song. That's a pop song. Yeah. Like good pop. Yeah. It's kind of rocking. It's a little heavy for Weezer. Yeah. I mean, you've turned that up in your car full blast. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. You know, I don't think people look at that as like a terrific Weezer song, but they're wrong. It is. It it's is. really good. People compare it to Pinkerton and and Blue, and that that's not really fair. Again, this is a different band now just with three of the members are the same, but, but they're definitely different. I would say that if that song can't, and I make this comparison a lot, if that song came out on the radio by some band you've never heard, you'd be like, Tips. and you heard it now, you'd be like, Oh hell yes. Yeah. This is what we need right now. So I'm a big fan of Hush Pipe. Now this next song. Yeah. I, 
I've heard this song multiple times, but I didn't know it was on this album. Oh, really? Or so, I didn't know it was Weezer. Yeah. Hip, hip. Every commercial you've ever heard, this song is playing. <laughs> This song is a solid 8 out of 10. Maybe better. Dude, I, I just think that chord is so good. Like, play the beginning again. The ver- This part? Yeah, but when it's just by itself. I thought maybe I could get away with that. Do you like the bass? How it's like, yeah, wah, wah, wah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's good. You good gotta be song. somewhere, bro. Me, oh no, someone just texted me from work. Sorry, are you asking your why phone, I looked at my your watch? phone picks up your text messages? Yeah, bro. Where'd you get something like that? It's, it's a high tech running watch, man. I'm just playing. Yeah, Apple Watch does the same thing, I suppose. I, I'm not ready. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go back to track two. We've heard one, three, and four, but we're going to go back to track two because this is the third single from the album. This is Photograph. If you want it, you can have it, but you gotta to reach out there and grab it, because All right, this is a short song, and the guitar solo is coming up very shortly. I want you to pay attention to the guitar solo here. And pay attention to the melody also. Here comes the chorus first. Here comes the solo. Okay, that was that. What were you gonna say? You like? Like, like, go back to the chorus. I like how he. Did, like, it's coming, right? Pull, like, yeah. How he like goes up the neck, like. Dude. The last yeah, here minute. it comes. The last minute. Yeah, that's good. Like, you think it's going to be there, and then it happens a second after you think it's going to yeah. happen, you know? Yeah, you're that well done, well explained, too. Like, you can hear, like, the slide. Yeah. Um, and it fall, this album still has a little bit of the signature stuff we were talking about in the previous albums, where <clears throat> the chord structure doesn't go exactly where you would expect 
expect it to go based on the lyrical melody where I, I mentioned before that as a guitar player, a lot of times I can hear the vocal line and figure out where the chords are going, but it's much more difficult with Weezer because it's almost like the guitar chords are one melody and the lyrics are a counter melody like or vice versa. Battling each other. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I'm going to skip to six. This is knockdown drag out. And the reason I'm skipping to it is because it's the shortest song. And again, we're going to play through to the solo, but also pay attention to the melody in the verse also. Here comes the solo. Okay. Now I'm going to really put you on the spot. And I don't expect you to answer this correctly. But I'm curious. Because I don't think I've ever heard anyone else ever mention this about this album. I'm not saying... I'm like the most in-depth music analyzer ever, but maybe it's like being a guitar player. Mm-hmm. But do you do you know what I'm gonna point out about these solos? Maybe not. I don't know, bro. You're, One you string. Don't have to. No. Wait. They're, you think you got it? No. Okay. They are always every single guitar solo, song one through song ten. Every single guitar solo is just the melody from the verses. Oh. It's just... Whereas Ooh. most guitar solos are like... The chorus or you the... Get, yeah. Or you you get a little shredding. Uh-huh. You get a little like noodling that's like a different idea. These are all just solos that mimic the melody of the verses. Okay. So every single one. Has anyone ever done that before? Like I, the verse? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, the most famous one, the most famous one, it smells like Teen Spirit. The guitar solo is... When he, oh uh, yeah, I uh, mean that's when I had in my head. But yeah, like okay. So and and for those of you listening who maybe this I'm not explaining it well enough or whatever, you probably know the song smells like Teen Spirit, and you probably know the guitar solo. The guitar solo to that is just the melody of the verse played on the guitar, right? Um, how does that song go again? <laughs> But then when you get to this guitar solo, it's... Which is, load up on guns, bring your friends. Right? So he's just... It's just the guitar doing the melody verses. That's exactly what he does on all of these. 
which brings me to like a bigger point about this album, which is it is its own unique thing and it is very different, dude. Like, and it not just that, but just the fact that each song is only like three minutes long and each and they're very quick and to the point. And I think you have multiple things happening here. One, you have the rise of what you might call garage rock. Yeah. Like you've got in New York, you have like the strokes and the yeah, yeah, yeahs Uh and the moldy peaches. And, you know, to a lesser extent, at least at the time, the white stripes and bands like that, that a lot of their songwriting thing, quote unquote, is to not overcomplicate a song. We're just going to move like, here's an idea. That's a song. Here's a second idea. That's a song. And that's a lot of what this is. I know. I was thinking, it's like, this sounds like effortless, but like I couldn't do that. Right. You know right. what I mean? I'm saying it's like uh insult. It's like. No, no, no. Yeah. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's like genius, but they're like making it simple. Right. It's the most, it, it is, it sounds like they could have written it in half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but clearly it's not that like there, you still have to have a little bit of magic to get these uh-huh. catchy pop hooks and stuff like that, but it's packaged so tightly. And, and so in a way it almost feels like both, cause this is 2001. This is the rise of that kind of music. This both feels a little ahead of its time and a little bit like of a rock version, a, a heavier version of what the strokes and those bands were doing. But it also feels like a callback to like, 60s pop yeah like just with big guitars where like you know you've got verse chorus verse chorus little melody Mm -hmm. you know in in those days maybe it's a horn section or it's a string section or whatever but and then you go back to the chorus and the song's over and that's all it is so it feels like both like old school pop but also with the new like fresh stuff that still wasn't really that popular coming out of the East Coast at the time. So, and and from bands that frankly like looked up to Weezer on some level. So, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to like overstate how good this record is because I don't. I'm gonna listen to it again, but it's not like a top ten album for me or anything. Yeah. But I think people crap on it, and it's better than that. It it deserves more than that. At the same time, the things I'm saying that are like smart about it are also sort of the reasons I am bored by it at times. Like I get the guitar solos are not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you bother with a guitar solo if it's not going to say something a little different. And Smells Like Teen Spirit is a guitar solo that works. Like that's part of the aesthetic of the song. And and Hashpipe here, uh, the solo on Hashpipe is it is the same thing, but he uh, messes with it just a little bit. And so it's appropriate for that song. It's not, I don't, I think some of these songs, you should have just cut the guitar solo yeah. rather than do it just for the sake of having it in there. But well, if they well, didn't do that, then it'd be like a minute, 40 seconds. Well, and, and whether consciously or unconsciously, it messes with the theme of this album, that these are all so uniform. Hmm. So I, I do kind of, I, I like and I don't like what they did there. So anyway, I wanted to point those things out. I don't think I have to deep dive into this <laughs> record anymore. I'm liking it. Well, well the at, 
this episode is going to be like three times longer than the album is. So I I hope the, I hope the listeners like it. Is there is there any? Um, I'm going to play some other songs. Do you need to hear Crab? Do you know that one? I like Crab. You like Crab? All right, let's do it. I like that song. All these songs are sing-along jams, so mm-hmm. I'm not mad about having to listen to any of them. I just don't have anything else to say about yeah, Crab. Yeah, I like Crab. Yep. Uh, do you like Smile? I hate Smile. Do you really? I'm surprised. I don't hate it. No, what I was going to say, the reason I'm surprised is because they're not... None of these songs are so different. Like I'm. Su- oh, yeah. Uh, You're like, I love this song. I hate I this one. I hate song. this one, you know? This song... When I heard it the first time upon re-listening, I was like, oh, I could do without this one. But I really like the chorus, kind of. Um, yeah. It is the slower. It's yeah. If there was a ballad on here, it would be this one. But it is kind of like, from a rock standpoint, this has the least to say. But I like this part. I can see why you would like it that much, but uh, simple pages is eight. That we have to play this, and then I like. That. We'll talk about this again in the make believe episode, by the way. Hard pause. I want to play the intro again. It sounds like Deep Purple for like a slight second. <laughs> This is a rockin'-ish song. I like the I like everything about this song actually. The I think the most thing each song has in common is just the chords. Yeah, yeah, they, the specific sound yeah. too. Mom, 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 mom. Well, and we talked to, we've talked on previous episodes about 
the power chord that uses the perfect fifth below the root to make this yeah like song or the chord sound fatter. That's all over this record. This is the best part of this song. That's it. That's the moment on this album that you have to go back and be like, listen to that again. That's cool. Like, I, it, it's, I like that. It's cool as a guitar part at the beginning of the song, and it's cool as a vocal part midway through the song. Dude, something people don't talk about is like, who's playing those rad keyboard parts on the Weezer albums? <laughs> yeah well uh, rivers does a lot yeah i think brian bell does a lot too especially on like a newer stuff i think brian bell plays a lot of keys but you know it just says like so and so plays keys it rarely when they're in the band it usually doesn't say like mm. did he played keys on this he played keys on that sometimes it does but yeah less often than when they have a guest on or something we might as well play these next two. The ninth song is Glorious Day. This part's great. That's like, oh, sorry. No. That's like the fill on Hey Johnny Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is. And I, no matter how many bands rehash that same idea, it's still good when, yeah. you, when you execute it correctly. Uh-huh. See, if I was going to write a new album, I would just... With a theme, my theme would be every song has that in it. <laughs> and then closing out the album is Oh Girlfriend, which I alluded to in the previous episode about I sort of said that Weezer kind of loses their ability, not ability, they lose their knack for writing a great album closer. And actually, I kind of like this one. fine it's a good song it's fine it's just fine fine so that's the green album i did a lot of talking we did a lot of talking and i don't know that there's a whole lot more to say about it 
<laughs> Dude, it's green. Yeah. It's bad. And it's Weezer. <laughs> it's bad. What do you mean? Bad? Thumbs down? No, I mean like bad, like oh okay. yeah. good. Good. I think like we can better watch your back bad. Right. I got you. Is that annoying? You better no. watch your back bad. No, what I <laughs> No. I can make a song of that. You better watch your back bad. Now you say it. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, you were the master writer there. <laughs> better watch your back bad. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was going to be more rhythmic like you were saying it before. I can't say that and play at the same time. Oh, that, that was the problem. That is a difficult task. So one thing we still have to do. I know, dude. Covered cut. The hidden. I'm man. ready this time. You dude. are? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to go first then? If, yeah. If we were going to yeah. cover one. What's the name of the song goes? Do 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 do. That's the cover, bro. Island in the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. The this, that is definitely the cover. I don't one? know why. Yeah. I don't know why they play in hash pipe. <laughs> Fairweather. <laughs> yeah. Our our buddies from Fairweather play hash pipe, and they were joking about how it clears the floor. <laughs> yeah. This is the one. Yeah. This is the one. I think. Um, it's not my favorite. It's not mine. But, but it's the one I'd cover. What's your favorite? I know that's not a... Crab, bro. Crab? Yeah. My favorite is Photograph. Yeah. I love Photograph. Oh, yeah. Now that we're talking about that guitar part... Yeah. Photograph is good, too. Yeah. I like Photograph. Which one would you cut? Smile. Obviously. Yeah. I could tell when you were talking <laughs> about it. Uh, I think I'd cut Knock Down Drag Out. Yeah. Yeah. They're just... It's just meh. You know, you could probably cut a couple. That's the thing. The nice thing quote-unquote nice thing about this album where they're all kind of similar in theme you could just remove one and not lose that much you know we've talked about how it's really hard sometimes to take certain songs away from the album but there's no like really weird one on Uh here that you don't really like like a white limo yeah that you well white you like white limo but i was thinking more along the lines of like doll which we did cut from but um a song that's weird that you don't really like, but it's sort of like part still, of the album, so you have to listen. To yes, it, yeah. it's part of the aesthetic. It's part yeah. of the experience of the album, so you have to keep it. Um, this does not have that. You could pluck pretty much any of them. Dude, Weezer is pretty badass, man. I know, I know. You're gonna like them by the end of this discography. Probably. I said I would cut Knockdown Dragout. So Hidden Gem cannot be Hashpipe, Photograph, or Island in the Sun. Oh, I thought mine was Crab. Oh, I suppose it is, because yeah. that's your flat-out favorite song. Yeah. I can't... Mine was Photograph, so I can't use Photograph because it's a single. So uh, my fi- my hidden gem is Simple Pages, the one that's... Give me something I could believe. You know, that the one that you said was like Deep Purple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's sweet. Yeah, uh, my band in college played that song, actually. Like, covered it. Dude, Weezer just throws in some, like, tasteful things. Not enough to make you like oh that's cool but you make you listen again yeah they put not enough on purpose well that's that's the mark of i shouldn't say that's the mark but that's a mark that's a sign that you sort of know what you're doing right yeah you give them just enough that they like it and they want more of it but you don't put too much on there no don't put that it's like it's don't overdo it it's like it's Dude, it's just like a bowl of like chunky chocolate ice cream, 
where you're looking for those big chunks, but you keep digging more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wasn't. Gonna, I was gonna also go with food, but I was gonna go with more pepperonis on a pizza. Oh, like like you gotta, I want to take move like my arm pe- around the these pizza. Pepperonis are so good. Ah, oh, I wish I had some more. But if you had more, would it really be better? You just have a mouthful of pepperonis, yeah. which nobody really wants that much pepperonis. So you got to put on enough to make you enjoy it and leave you wanting just a little more. Yeah, I don't think or either of us. Came, I don't think either of us came up with the perfect what analogy. About this <laughs> okay, might be it. We, all right, here we go. You order. You order some fries okay. from the bar, but you get that little onion ring in there. <laughs> that makes you want more, but you know you ain't ever going to get more. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm still racking my brain, because that one's good. I still don't think it's perfect. It's the perfect analogy. It's really difficult. Yeah. That's all I got, though. I can't think of another one. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So next week, we will hopefully have my sister on. It's going to be a family affair. We're going to be talking about Maladroit, Weezer's fourth album, which I don't know if you've listened to it yet. I kind of feel like maybe you haven't. You gave it to me? Yeah, it's yeah. on the same burned CD as the Green album. And it's different. It's different. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Well, you're going to like it. and But until then, get wet. Get wet. I got a story, a story once was told. Two young boys go into the liquor store where they sold their souls. I got a story, a story once was told. Two young boys go into the liquor store where they sold their souls. Hey, yeah. Oh, wah, oh, wah, oh, wah. And I got a story. A story once was sold. Two young boys go into the liquor store where they sold their souls. And I got a story. Yo, hey, one, two. Who? How is it for you? Good. Good, freak. (laughs) Good, freak. Say that again. Say good, freak. Good, freak. Nice.
didn't mean to do that. Did you press record? Oh yeah, that <laughs> that definitely will be on the the post credits scene. <laughs> Well, one, two, three. <laughs> that was pretty good. It's it sounds just like you because it is you. Ooh, let me let me crack this open. This message is brought to you by Budweiser. Ah ha! Ah ha! Ready? One, two, three. Damn it. This stupid thing. I'm trying again. Here One, we go. One, two, three.